Hurry, hurry, hurry. Radio Giggle Water and Quilt. Okay. No Boulder Dash or Baloney here. everyone and welcome to the unfiltered gentleman and now breaking the seal all over the finer things of life greg scott and dan oh yeah that's right welcome in everybody it's the unfiltered gentleman thank you for listening thanks for telling a friend and listening along uh it's just me it's just greg today no scott or dan but it's for a good reason i'm being joined by matt and rachel down at benchmark brewing here in san diego california one of my favorite places to go definitely one of my favorite cities to drink in I won't talk too long because I want to get right into it. Just want to mention BenchmarkBrewing.com is where you can find their website. They're on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram, Benchmark Brewing, and of course at Benchmark Brew on the old Twitter. All right, everybody, this is what you've all been waiting for. I am at Benchmark Brewing, and I am being joined by the owners, the founders, the people in charge, Matt and Rachel. Thank you guys so much for hanging out today. Glad to be here. Our pleasure. Uh, you guys are the uh, husband and wife team behind Benchmark. That yep. is true. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> We're behind it, in front of it, <laughs> yeah. all around it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the, the first question is, what's it like working with your spouse? Um, my office is all the way over here on this end of the building. <laughs> Hers is on the other end of the building. No, it's it's really good, actually. We have, yeah, we. I mean, we, we do everything from like driving in the same car here every day to... Uh, we do everything in the same car, like in the same schedule. It's it's good though. Um, we have a really clear line, you know. Matt does the really simple way to say it is Matt does everything that's inside the can, and I do everything outside it. Nice, that makes sense. All right, let's let's get into a little history. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. You uh, you worked at Ale. So I I did the drinking with Matt back in January, yes. or late December, early January, whatever. I guess it'd be late December. And it, it was, was a good time. We had fun. We don't need to remember exactly <laughs> when it was. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was the, the judging one. Yes, we that was fun. Judges. That was really cool. But you were talking about you, you came from Ailsmith to here. Yes. What's your brewing background? My brewing background? Um, basically, when I was 16, I found out through the wonders of the internet that you could make beer at home. And I thought that was just about the coolest damn thing I'd ever heard of. Absolutely. I was 16 and lived at home, though, and my mom said, no, <laughs> not a chance. You're 16. You don't get to make beer. Uh, so I did the next best thing I could do um, and stay in her good graces. I was read everything. She always wanted me to read everything, so go, now finally. I read everything about beer. Everything I could get my hands on on the internet, I read. I studied. I learned everything I could. Um, day I turned 21, I went to home brew mart, bought myself <laughs> kit number three, <laughs> um, and went home Plastic and bucket. made beer. Uh, no, the step up to the glass, oh, the carboy. Yeah, oh, I went nice. all the way in. <laughs> I was still in college at the time at UCSD, getting my very handy degree in sociology. Yeah. Um, day I graduated from there, my primary objective was to work at Alesmith. I immediately was volunteering there, scrubbing kegs, helping out on the... Um, on the bottling line at the time. They I'm so trained. Get rid of him. I'm so trained. I almost said canning line. I've gotten so used to not saying bottling line anymore. Saying yeah. Um, <laughs> while working there, went to the American Brewers Guild to get a formal education in brewing. And about three years later, I was in the position of head brewer. That's I spent impressive. 
I spent about eight, it was about eight years at Alesmith. And he was in that position when they took Small Brewery of the Year at GBF. Oh, yes. really? Yes. That's even more impressive. <laughs> um, and I, you know, they weren't my recipes. They were my recipes in that I was helping to tend to them and maintain them. Sure. And always make them better. It's not like I created any one of those beers. In fact, most of the beers that are there have been there forever, it yeah. seems like. So, yeah, everyone's um, had the Ailsmith IPA yeah, and yeah. the Nut Brown and all that. Yeah, they've been there since before Peter bought the place. You know, It's just a matter of maintaining yeah. and improving quality on a set, set of beers. Um, after about eight years there, decided it was time to go do something else. So you didn't brewery hop very much. You no, I didn't. there and yeah, opened and, yours. Basically, <laughs> that's that's insane. You hear a lot of people that open there. It's like, oh, I worked here and I cleaned kegs there, and they finally let me brew over here, and then I finally decided to start my own. But you're like, nope. No. I hate that awkward time of a new job. <laughs> so why why should I do that? You hate introductions. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's just get right to the to the good stuff and just work. That's funny. Did anybody inspire you to get into it, or was it just I'm 16 and I would love to drink beer? Uh, beer inspired me to get into that's it. That's a good inspiration. Um, and then while I mean, Peter at Smith taught me a whole lot of course working with him for that many years and a um, whole lot of things both uh, on the brew house floor and in the business part of it and all. so that's pretty just awesome watching it happen those were those were some interesting days at alesmith back then yeah and i mean that's a good place to start too oh yeah, yeah. i mean you, you <laughs> <Few> got finer <laughs> yeah exactly uh we'll move over to rachel i mean what's your brewing background so i don't make beer yeah. Have you ever like homebrew? I've actually written my own homebrew recipe and made beer from scratch. Okay. Um, I was extremely, I did it in a very luxurious way in that my partner was a uh, professional brewer who could clean and sanitize everything for me. <laughs> so um, I got to do all the fun stuff yeah. and not lift any of the heavy things, which sounds really girly. But um, I was never really that interested in making beer. That being said, I love drinking beer and well. I love, you know, the the breadth of what beer can offer as a beverage. My background is in design. I'm a licensed interior designer. Um, okay. I worked in mainly healthcare design for a really long time. Um, and the firm I worked for focused on uh, like brand identity and patient experience. So mm. I did a lot of interior graphics and um, worked on really cohesive design from the patient perspective, which lent itself really well to managing a brand for sure. a product. So, you know, my job is to make sure that if you encounter Benchmark on a store, store shelf or you find us in a, a pub or you walk in our front door, you sort of get the same consistent impression. Yeah. And, and so other than the designs, are you kind of in charge of, is it like Matt's in charge of making good beer and you're in charge of laying the, the hammer down or? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, you know, yes, Matt is in charge of making the, the quality beer that goes inside the package. I'm in charge of all the packaging. I'm in charge of making sure that the staff is communicating the, you know, line that benchmark is taking on things. Not that it's ever extreme. Um, but, you know, just making sure that no matter where a customer touches Benchmark, they, they get a consistent, you know, positive mm -hmm. um, set of information. Super important, too. She keeps us all in line, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. No one's fooling anybody. Um, before we get into the beer, one last question. Who's the better judge? Oh, Rachel is. <laughs> yeah. Smart I, man. So, well, I drink the beer and I go, 
how would I make this and just start rolling it through in my head? Yeah, but Rachel looks recipe, at it. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Rachel looks at it and just says, okay, here's what's going on with this one and just lays it out there. <laughs> you guys are both GABF and BJCP. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. It's <laughs> a lot of letters to remember. So, all right, cool. Let's, let's, uh, let's get right into it. What do we, what do we got in front of us? We have got oatmeal stout in front of us to get going here. Nice. It seemed like a nice place to start off. Absolutely. So, so this beer has won a medal in the session beer category at GABF twice now. Nice. In 2014, we took gold and in, last year we took silver. Entered three times, won twice. Correct. That's pretty good. That's a good track we'll take record. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not too that uh, first one, the gold medal in 2014, capped off a San Diego sweep of the session beer category. Yeah, so and Carl Strauss won for Mosaic, and then Pizza Port won for a Belgian ale of some kind from one of the pubs. Okay. And then Matt sort of wrote it off. Like, we were sitting in the rafters. We were as far away as you could possibly be from the stage. I was eating breakfast <laughs> eating together. Eating a burrito. <laughs> and he's like, P- Pizza Port and Carl, like, we're done. You yeah. Know? And... Those there are big, it is. Big guys, so. Benchmark oatmeal stout. <laughs> That's I had to sweet. elbow him in the kidney to get him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this isn't radio, so am I, I allowed to say what I actually said Please. at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel elbows me and I look up. No fucking way. <laughs> and of course, so the whole, like, the whole <laughs> audience zone we're in is just cracking up and cheering. Because they all heard me. <laughs> yeah. It was a long walk down to that stage. Yeah, and the two of us are walking awesome. down there. Don't fall on your face. Don't fall on your face. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy that was yelling up in the rafters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Um, so this beer medals in the session beer category. We okay. call it an oatmeal stout. That's the name of the beer um, and how we present it out in the world. But then we play this little game when entering a competition you have to find the way to label a beer just exactly right okay so that when it's judged it checks off all the boxes on the style guidelines and in the session beer category um you have to call out the bigger beer that you're making a smaller version of so like a brown ale doesn't count because a brown ale's already a sessionable beer okay the session beer category is for beers that don't fit in another category and it's like so we made a miniature american stout um, you could make a small Belgian triple. Mm-hmm. You could make a, I don't know, like there, there's plenty of options. A session IPA. An IPA is not inherently a session beer. Right. So, um, so it's a pretty wide open category. It is a really wide open category. It's a category. lot of fun to and judge that kind of category too because you get so many different things. And I think one of the reasons why this beer stands out is that most of the beers that you get are small hoppy beers, yeah. especially the back first in year we won. It, the, the IPAs got split out the year after we won the gold medal. So we beat all the session IPAs in the category to that's win gold. Good. Yeah, I think, I think when you think rad. session, you think like IPA, maybe a pale ale, but you don't but really think. But a pale think... ale is inherently a session beer. Right. I don't. I don't think you'd go for uh, anything dark. It, yeah. Session. Yeah, and this thing's black, full-bodied. Yeah. It's a chewy beer, but it's also only four percent alcohol. One of the goals at Benchmark, our year-round beers are all session strength beers, um, mostly because I like to drink all afternoon with right. my friends. Yeah. Football's but, on all day for a reason. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> um, but. One of the things that I find disturbing about a lot of session beers and small beers is that they're just watery and they don't feel or taste like beer it's anymore. It's literally a watered-down version of the beer. Yeah. So often. And one of the um, guiding tenets of Benchmark is that it still has to have the experience of beer, still feel like it, taste like it, mm-hmm. and just be not, a little easier to drink more of. Right. Not get you quite as hammered, but still taste like it could. No, it's really good. You want to give us a little uh, little profile and a little flavor breakdown? Oh, this beer. This beer, um, 
goes a long way, actually, <laughs> especially as it starts to warm up like this. So as a small American stout, we get a whole lot of chocolate, a whole lot of roasty character coming through. Mm-hmm. But then right as you as you near the finish of it, you start to get this little grapefruit pop coming through from huge dose of Cascade hops towards the end of the boil. And that, that little um, citrusy burst keeps all that roast and all that chocolate from being just completely overwhelming to mm-hmm. your tongue, dries it out, cleans out the finish, and you just get that nice little uh, toast mm-hmm. in the aftertaste. Clean little toasty aftertaste to it. Um, and it still has the body of a bigger beer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think oh, that's yeah. really key here. You know, like if, if it's, it's that watery thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the oatmeal comes in. You'd be amazed how many people go, I can't taste the oatmeal. And it's like the oatmeal's not there for the flavor. I mean, <laughs> even when you even when you make oatmeal at home, you, you dose it up with brown sugar or yeah, peaches or up. whatever yeah, it is yeah. because oatmeal doesn't taste like much. Yeah, right. You're not <laughs> eating oatmeal for the taste of oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's ever craved oatmeal? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, oatmeal stout. Loaded with oatmeal. To give it body. Right. That's what Not to taste like for. breakfast. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is great. And I, I love how it finishes clean. So you don't necessarily have this like super chocolatey like resin in your mouth. It's just like it's got that light, uh, I don't say aftertaste, light finish. Mm-hmm. And it finishes clean, uh, but it, it's full body. It tastes delicious. You don't think you're drinking a session in yeah. the sense that it, it doesn't feel like a session. So. And that sort exactly. of crisp bite at the end, it, it, it reminds me a lot of dark chocolate or black coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, like it has that sort of acidicness yeah. that, um, that that cleans off your tongue and makes you want another, another drink. Yeah, the combination of all that dark malt and the CO2, the carbonic acid mm-hmm. bite that you get, just cleans it up so nice. Could easily have one or four of these. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'll leave it up to you guys. You want to get in some more questions? You want to sample a couple more beers? What would you? What order let's, would you like to go in? Let's talk while we finish this one. Yeah, I don't know. Let's yeah, do a couple more questions yeah. while we finish this, and we'll load up on a couple more. Sounds good. Cool. All right. So uh, we, we mentioned the whole uh, judging thing. Which, between uh, BJCP and GABF, which one's harder to certify for? So BJCP, there's actually a test involved, mm-hmm. and GABF, it's really that you have to have the resume to support, you know, and the experience to support the the invitation. Yeah, it's going to take longer to become a GABF judge. Anybody can go in, take the BJCP test, study for it, mm-hmm. and get qualified and work your way through the ranks okay. um, to being a senior level judge if you want to go that far in BJCP. Um, it's just about dedicating the time finding a test site in san diego that can be a real challenge they they fill up real fast (laughs) um and then becoming uh, earning the invitation to gabf Mm. uh generally requires well it requires your beer resume that shows um a lot of experience in In sensory evaluation sensory evaluation three um recommendations from existing beer judges or people that you know meet the qualifications essentially okay um what's the other thing (laughs) and then if you're selected it's three-year wait before your first time judging wow and we got really lucky and pulled up early we thought this would be our first year but we got to go last year which was very cool that is cool how do you not get hammered when you're going through because you guys were talking about GABF <laughs> like you're handed like 10 beers at a time right yes and you have to be you know you have to evaluate these fairly and I would think that number 10 for the most part a lot of times will take will taste a lot better than number one yeah and and you know there's always at least two judges usually three judging a panel 
um, and that have the literal same beers sitting in front of them. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that everybody starts on a different end. So somebody will start in the middle and kind of jump around and somebody will start on one end and go this way and the other end and go that way. And that way, you know, none of the beers are always last, mm, you know? Okay. So, so Matt, if we were on a panel together, his number four beer might be my number 10 beer. Okay. So at least it's a little more fair that way. Yeah. Because I can imagine by the time you get to number 10, it's like, okay, where's the water? By the time it's- you get to number 10 for the sixth time that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but you're taking really small sips. It's yeah. pretty easy to know if it's meeting the, the guidelines yeah. based on they're, one or two sips. They're not bringing us much beer and we are looking for the world-class examples. And mm-hmm. you're basically looking to knock them out. I mean, okay. it sounds really harsh, yeah. but, but the fact of the matter is when, when you're at that level, the idea is that we're looking for three beers out of three, five, ten panels of judges that, you know, get medals. And yeah. so if there's one flaw that's really obvious, it's not moving on. So you can just move on to and the next beer. <laughs> my, my favorite part about judging at GABF, though, is the last message given to all the judges while we're all sitting in one room before we start judging, and it's mm. respect the beer. Yeah. Okay. It's the most important yeah. aspect of the entire thing. Even when a terrible beer sits down in front of you, you must respect that beer and the person who took the time to brew it Sure. and give them something. Why are you kicking this thing out? It's, it's normally pretty quick reason. and easy. Yeah. There's, but It's normally pretty quick and easy, but you have to, you, you do take the time to say, look, here's what I tasted. This is why it's out, why it doesn't fit. This on the is other end, pale ale and I'm getting diacetyl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's that simple sometimes. Yeah. Um, other times it's just a matter of this one's stellar and this one's pretty good. So stellar stellar's got to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I bet you're probably looking more, not probably you're looking more for the style rather than like, do I like this? Absolutely. It, it 100%. must check the guidelines. And that's true but. for both BJCP and GABF. Yeah. That probably makes it a lot easier because you know, as you tend to like more, as you drink more, at least you can still be, uh, you know, fair yeah. in the fact that it's like, this is, you know, not an IPA yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You, it's very easy to pull out a beer and go, oh man, I love this beer. And then look back down at your guidelines and look at your beer. The beer is black. The guideline says should be red to dark brown at most. Right. All right. I love this beer. Thank you for making it. Yeah. You can write that down and say, this is a beautiful beer. It doesn't fit the guidelines. Boom. It's gone on to the next one. And you don't get to sit there and enjoy it. You don't have time. Right. You've got 60 other beers to deal with that day. Yep. Is there a way afterwards that you can like, you know, say I had beer number 394. Can I find out who made this? No. no. Even after it's all. You only really get to know the ones that meddle. Wow. Yeah, I, one of the best beers I ever had was, and everyone on our panel sat there going, oh, man, this is such a good beer. We couldn't do anything with it other than enjoy it at the end. We still don't know what it was. That's funny. It just didn't fit the category. Had to kick it out. Yep. That, must we, that was the one that that was the one time that I saw all the judges on the panel that were kicking a beer out actually hold on to the beer and drink oh, the whole great. thing. Can't <laughs> <my cup>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you can't take this you away. You can just leave that. Please, please don't touch that. All right, let's move on to benchmark. First of all, why, why the name benchmark? What does that represent? We're setting the standard. We're the gold standard. I like it. Yeah. So there's also the dual meaning. We actually have a, a USGS style benchmark set under the stairs in the tasting room. Okay. Um, we, as a family like to camp and hike and 
be outdoors as much as we can, which since we've opened Benchmark has been even more challenging. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just it, it kind of pulls in some family history. Um, we've got the USGS maps downstairs on the wall, and we have our parks collection that sort of references a lot of outdoor activities. Yeah. Um, River Ride. Um, you got some of the path. branded outdoor gear, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of it kind of goes both ways, which I really love. And it's also a really just sort of classic name. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want anything kitschy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, we've been, before opening Benchmark, we had tossed around names for years oh, and years sure. anyway. You know, this was kind of always going to happen one way or another. And, yeah. Um, yeah. We've been through a lot of names that way. <laughs> one, one evening, Rachel says, how about Benchmark? And I kind of... Uh, woke up the next morning and we're out walking the dog and hey how about benchmark i told you so (laughs) So, yeah that's a good one yep that's funny did you guys have any issues with names and copyrights or trademarks or anything like that i do a pretty extensive search before i name any beers um we trademark anything we we are definitely planning to package Mm -hmm. um and the answer to that is that I just won't use something if I have. Mm-hmm. You know, I I wrote a letter to Sierra once saying, hey, that name is really similar to something I've already submitted a trademark application on, and they dropped it. Oh, wow. You know, um, I don't. I, it was just a test kind of beer for them. Yeah. But it's, it's just something I think that you have to do your homework on. Mm-hmm. If you do your homework, you're not going to get in trouble. Yeah, I guess that's true. And <laughs> if anything, even yellow flags, little and red flags come up, I guess it's just easier to move on and, and exactly. And, yeah, and sometimes things pop up and you're like, wow, there's a home brewer who calls himself this as a brewery. So I guess there's potential for that to become a brewery at some point. But I'm going to go ahead and trademark it because I'm already producing a professional beer called that. Mm-hmm. And it just tells you that you you, you got to get off your butt and make that happen yeah you know make First sure you lock it, it down <laughs> our core lineup though is also in that very simple category of this is table beer brown ale blonde ale <laughs> oatmeal yeah. stout Which and ipa would never trademark and could never could never yeah. trademark yeah. And, and nobody and, could and that yeah. was a very deliberate decision um we've been there's some people that really don't get that you mm-hmm. know but when you're benchmark <laughs> having a beer called brown ale makes a lot of sense to me. Right. I don't have to explain it to anybody. And yeah, there's you know? beauty in that, you yeah. know? And I think that, you know, the, the session beers that we make and the beer being made, we really focus on it going with food. And so that's sort of a different clientele than at a beer bar, mm-hmm. you know? So the people that are at a restaurant that are buying a stout just want to hear stout. Right. You know, and and they don't they don't need a whole lesson on what this beer <laughs> is or should be. Yeah. They just want to know the basic flavors they're going to cover if they order a stout or a blonde or an IPA, exactly. and that's what we're doing. Yeah, what's a black house? A black house? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a beer. That's a coffee. We're with doing some beer our in it. server friends. <laughs> oh, uh, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> um, so so beer in San Diego. I mean, we it's huge. There's no you know no denying yeah. that. Is there, do you think there's like a bubble that's going to burst or is there room for more to come in? How much time do we have today? Uh, (laughs) I really think, so I sit on the board of directors for the Brewers Guild, so I'm sort of watching this pretty closely. Um, I think that there is a shakeout, a bigger shakeout coming. There's Mm -hmm. already a shakeout happening. But I also think that there is room for more good beer. 
Okay. And I think the key there is that there's room for more good beer. Right. Bad beer fixes itself. It either goes away or it gets better. Sure. The reality is that only like 35% of beer in San Diego is made in San Diego that people are drinking. Okay. So there's a lot of room for us. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more market share that we can take away from the Budweiser's and Coors and Corona drinkers of the world. And I think that, you know, the talent and the ability and the resources are here in the city to make that happen. It's just a matter of all the breweries sort of finding their niche mm-hmm. and figuring out how they fit into the market. Like we can't have 140 stones, you know, <laughs> right. but we can have 140 neighborhood breweries that aren't distributing. Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of room for that. And I think that that's something that we don't talk a lot about is that every brewery has its own mission. And the majority of the breweries opening in this country right now are the the small taproom model. Mm-hmm. You know, their whole model is I'm going to make beer and serve it over my bar. They want to be a third place for their neighborhood, which is <laughs> awesome. We yeah. should all try to be that. But they don't need to go any further than that, a lot of them. Some of them do have aspirations to go beyond that. Sure. And, you know, the beer will the beer and the ability to manage this extremely complicated business will see where that goes from there um no more no longer is it okay to come in with just good beer now you have to have the entire package put together the branding the ability to run the business you've got to be better funded than ever before now capital is the biggest issue anymore when you're not if if i'm not looking at beer quality it's all about how much cash can you stir up in the next hour yeah because you're gonna need it i won't name any names i was recently at a place that was definitely one of those places where we had a bunch of money yeah. and breweries are cool right now yeah so you know we can make anybody can make beer it doesn't mean it's gonna be great beer but anybody can make it and that's what they did and it was a little disappointing it, because uh, right down the street was a really good brewery yes and i was like all right we're leaving yes. two beers in i was like all right first beer let's try another one second beer like nope these are both pretty not that great yeah you can feel it when you're in there it's not yeah. it's the not heart's authentic not there yeah. yeah you walk into here and the people behind the bar whether it be us or some of our bartenders uh, we're all in it for the same reason for the beer for right. the love of what we're doing and it comes across and it makes that experience happen and worth it. Yeah, it, it makes you want to not hang out there very long. Why is craft beer growing so rapidly? It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, the short answer. Yeah. I, I really think that's the right answer. <laughs> yeah. I think it also has a lot to do with, you know, there's a reason that organic food is, is growing. And mm-hmm. I think there's a reason that small um, restaurant scenes and, and having a unique point of view in each city is becoming more common. Um, beer fits right in line with that sort of um, local experience, you know, and people want to own their beer mm-hmm. to an extent. Like they, like people like that this is San Diego beer. People like that this is Denver beer. You know, yeah, it just depends true. on where you're from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's all kind of it's, hashtags around uh-huh. San yeah, Diego exactly. beer, it's Denver beer. Tying yourself to what you're enjoying and drinking yeah. and sharing that experience with other people. So much of what we do now is so experiential with uh, social media and all. It's right. about, hey, check out what I am doing. I just <laughs> slept on this cliff. No, you didn't. But. <laughs> <laughs> like, Two feet from the floor. Um, I also think that, you know, the prevalence of IPA has really driven the freshness Mm -hmm. craze and local is a, is a hallmark of fresh, right? Yeah. From a branding point of view, that's really true. Whether or not it's actually true is, is debatable. But if your beer hasn't traveled all the way here from the East coast, it's pretty likely it's, it's more fresh, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's more more what it should be. Yeah. I mean, not to bring up the other guys, but the enjoy buys and that kind of stuff is really 
starting to take over and, and people are into this whole freshness thing. That was now. such a brilliant idea. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah. best marketing campaign I've seen yeah. in a long time. So smart. That, that, that communicated so much yeah. with so little, really. And uh, yeah, did a really, I think, a good thing for the understanding of what an IPA can be. Because when I get an IPA that's old now and taste it, and somebody next to me who I don't know says, Oh man, this tastes good. And the We're first like, thing no, I think is that's like oxidized cardboard. and horrible. <laughs> 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 it's like, Here, let's try this enjoy by, and you'll start to understand what we're yeah. talking about. And yeah, I think it's been a great they also thing. did us a big favor in, in launching Enjoy After mm-hmm. because it, it, built the contrast you know i think people started thinking that i have to drink all my beer 30 days right. or less oh. and and that's just so not true i mean we have beers on tap right now that were brewed in october sure you know and they're phenomenal oh yeah because the style warrants the age now all right i'm going downstairs and getting one right now then. <laughs> all right let's, let's pause for the cause <laughs> we're back we've got more beer Yes, that was important. That was a clear segue that Rachel was <laughs> screaming out for a beer. Yeah. And if, I don't know if you heard it, I heard, but I heard it. I think you guys have been doing this yeah. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Send each other up for beer segues. Yep. <laughs> there are worse things to do. So now we've got Stargazer Scotch Ale. This is so, an 8.5% alcohol Scotch Ale, also known as a Wee Heavy. A wee Heavy. Uh, yeah. So the key words here are malty and boozy. I like it. And, and this beer is from our what we call our Parks Collection, so it, it comes out whenever we feel like it okay <laughs> um we have six beers in this collection and some of them are brewed four times a year and some of them brewed once a year and hang around for a long time like this one and they they are all going to be in cans hopefully by the end of this year we have oh, three currently this, beer in cans. <laughs> um, this is not one that's made it into cans yet um we have our pale ale our double ipa hop chunks and river, river rye. rye this it smells great i should probably dig into this thing oh, definitely dive in Mm. Just big malt characters, lots and lots of toffee. Again, uh, we're, we're, we seem to be sticking to the full-bodied beers so far here, but yeah. um, just tons of toffee, deep malt, crystal malt character going on, and then just a nice, pleasant booze character. Yeah, just from, the right From amount. the moment you put your nose into it to the very end of your sip. Just clean booze character. Doesn't burn. Without being hot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, doesn't doesn't the, burn, but you trick. get a little booze in there. And, and it's, uh, you know, I, I'm about to say something silly. It's only 8.5% <laughs> alcohol, um, which is big by our standards generally. Um, but we wanted to express the alcohol. Normally, mm-hmm. I try to hide the alcohol in sure. our big beers, uh, make it a little easier to drink. But with the combination of all the alcohol and the um, the depth of the malt character that we get in this all that toffee Mm -hmm. uh caramel character going on it just plays so well with it like a good whiskey or something and you don't really get much hop usage in scotch ales um traditionally the the scotch don't really like to use hops because hops come from the british and we all know how the scotch (laughs) feel about the brits so just from a traditional point of view you kind of need that burn at the end to clean it off Mm -hmm. (laughs) you would use the hops to balance the sweetness of all that malt right you have to balance it some other way so we're balancing it with a little bit of booze and a little bit of dark malt. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it works. And and the sugar in here, like, did you make candy for it or no? So um, we do use a little bit of brown sugar in it to add, um, mostly to get some extra alcohol points nice. out of it, yeah. uh, free alcohol basically. <laughs> um, but what really makes it gives it that big candy 
sweet malt character mm-hmm. is that we just barely cover the bottom of the kettle and then stop the filling of the kettle and cook that stuff. Oh, we so cook the holy hell the out of it. Yeah, we get a lot of... It's technically called the Maillard reaction. We start to burn it all down into carbon, basically. Okay. Um, it's the browning. It's the exact same thing that happens when you put a steak on the grill. Sure. It's the cooking of the sugars in okay. the meat. It's the same thing here. We cooked those sugars, sweetened it up, and we just embrace all that the natural sweetness of the malt. And does that help it from getting oversweet? By doing it that way instead of, like, adding candy and sugar to it? Well, adding candy and sugar, those things are just going to ferment out Mm. for the most part. You might get a little bit of uh, flavor carryover from if you were to use really, really flavorful sugar, like a a very unrefined, uh, if you were to use blackstrap molasses, the flavor will carry over. Sure. But we're using a medium golden brown sugar. The flavor blends very well with what's already there from the malt, and really that's all just going to ferment out. Yeah. This is a really nice sipping beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a porch beer. Yes. Yeah. This is nice. Uh, right before we, we stopped for beer, we were starting to talk about like craft and local craft and that kind of stuff. Did you guys hear the news this week about the new independent logo? Yes. Oh, boy. Here, <laughs> <and> Rachel's <laughs> stepping onto the soapbox right now. Are we, are we allowed to talk about how we feel about that? Sure. I mean, so I'm very torn about it. Okay. A, I find the design lacking. And B, (laughs) I think the really big challenge with it is that it is, it's going to do a lot of favors for the larger craft breweries and Mm. it's going to present challenges for really small craft breweries. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have pallets and pallets and pallets of cans back there. Yeah. I can't put this logo on those cans right now. Right. And it's going to be at least a year before I have to order those, those cans again. We're going to be Not to mention when I reorder those cans, I'll have to pay for a new plate. And a new plate mm-hmm. is thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the cost associated, although it's a free thing to use, right. is not as free as it sounds. In addition, you know, the breweries that we were talking about a little bit ago that aren't really packaging or distributing and their model is in the tasting room, they already have a label on their door. Yeah. Their Brewers Association members, they have the sticker in their, their window by their front door. Why would they need something else? Yeah, and what are they supposed to do? Like add it to their sign outside? Right. Yeah, that makes Not sense. Not to mention, you know, like the, the the bigger guys can get new pop-ups printed right now. Sure. I can't afford to do well, that and, any and old time I want to. Yeah, you <laughs> know, over Sierra Nevada, I'd be printing up new pop-ups for every festival I do. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and changing the label yeah. right now. We'd what's what's a couple thousand it. bucks in pop-ups yeah, to them? Exactly. Not to mention there's, there's, there's degrees of independence. And mm-hmm. while I think the Brewers Association did a really good job of having a website posted that explains what they mean by independence, mm-hmm. which is independent from other brewing companies. So not independently owned, period, right. but independently owned from Budweiser, Constellation Brands, mm-hmm. etc. Heineken. Right. Um, and I don't think that's incredibly clear to the, the beer buying public. I think that yeah. the people it's clear to already get it. Yeah, I, I mean, people that are <laughs> in the know and, and that care about this logo They're gonna probably look into it already anyway. know. And the little bitty breweries that are going to suffer financially from the burden of, you know, having to get this sticker or whatever onto all of their packages, 
they so embody the heart that is independence that I don't really think they need a label. It's one of the biggest uh, criticisms I've heard this week is that why would you use a bottle on your logo? Why is it upside down? Well, that too. And why not a can since everyone's moving towards it? Well, because an upside down can doesn't, can't tell it's upside down. <laughs> That's true. But I also think that if, if you step back and think about the choice of the, the basically a 22, mm-hmm. that is the only package that is synonymous with craft beer. A champagne style bottle looks yeah. like a champagne bottle. Right. A can is what the, you know, domestic brewers have been using for decades or pepsi exactly yeah. so it is the one package type that is just craft beers mm-hmm. and i think that i i see completely why they chose that package type that why sense. they put it on its head yeah. i also <laughs> understand but i didn't until they explained it to me <laughs> yeah it shouldn't need to be explained exactly design matters <laughs> yeah. yeah this comes from the designer over here yeah so. and so rachel thinks about all these things this yeah. is why rachel runs uh, most everything here and well, there's I just so many beer. things that i totally think deeply about and then i am capable of recognizing that the majority of the world doesn't care Sure. I looked at it and said, oh, I'm glad somebody did something. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. I then thought, oh, great. I can't put it on my cans for the next year right. and a half because right. I've got a year and, and a half. And then the danger cans, is that but... our cans are in BevMo next to Sierra's or sure. Sam Adams or whoever. And they, of course, have this thing on the back of their can. Right. But we don't they because we have a year's worth uh, of cans sitting in this building right now. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm wondering how long my timer is going to run until I see one on, on the shelves. <laughs> I know. I, I, was, I was wondering, like, will they immediately start adopting it or are they going to wait till it gets a little more? I think it's going to be adopted so fast. Yeah. yeah. It's I think you're going to see somebody with a hat on soon. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Gee, I'm just so provincial. Let me look at the beer shelves, see what's going on. I think it'll be on tap handles. I think it'll be indoors. I think people will get it printed on their pop up. Yeah. Can we can we all punch the guy in the face who wears a hat though? Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> you know, first of all, he's Let's not going to be a brewer. He first. Right? <laughs> yeah. he's not going to be a brewer. He's like, going to be that guy. You're not independent guy. craft beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what brewery do you own? None. That's what I thought. Punch in the face. So one of the things I like to ask all the brewers I talk to, especially on the West Coast, is what do you think of the New England hazy <laughs> IPAs? <laughs> Unfinished beer. Uh, uh, I hate what answering I, this question. I'll give you. I'll give you one of my favorite answers. You can think about how you're going to clean it up. But one of my favorite answers was, "Well, it was nice that they found a way to market their fuck up." <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, we've all spent all this time trying to make beer as perfectly crystal clear as possible, and now this is acceptable. And it really i mean i'm saying the same thing everyone else has said about it it looks like a glass of orange juice yeah it does i could tell the glass of orange juice apart because it had a straw in it thank you very much <laughs> the head retention was the same yeah. on the two of them next to each other when i oj might have been a little clear of them sitting next to each other we're not going to make one we are not going to make one <laughs> but at the same time i uh, we do not own a filter we have never owned a filter and probably never will. Okay. But we rely on time and temperature and good fining mm-hmm. habits to make our beer clear. But at the same time, I'm looking at it and saying, well, if these guys can get away with making this turbid, disgusting, <laughs> throw-up looking thing and selling it and people actually wanting it and asking for it, mm-hmm. I can shave a day or two off of production sure. and serve you a cloudy beer yeah here you go it's not a hazy beer it's just still got a little bit of yeah a little bit of cloud in it we didn't get all of the hops and yeast out of it and unfiltered has become a marketing term and i think that to some extent as ipa has sort of lost its meaning Mm -hmm. so has unfiltered i think there's a really poor understanding of how few of us actually filter beer 
Sure. It's it's a big beer kind of thing to do to filter. Oh yeah. So I'm using I am using the Northeast IPA, New England IPA, whatever you want to call it. Um, as a way to shave a couple days off of my production schedule on each beer and fit another beer in for the yeah. year, basically. Um, and as long as people are accepting this kind of cloudy thing, I'm not very happy about it. Yeah. But I will well, squeeze in a little bit more beer and sure. make a little more beer. You Might know, as well. Pat McElhaney's um, been doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Alpine yes. beers have always been cloudy. And um, so on this unfiltered IPA, unfiltered anything, <laughs> yeah, the the first rule really does have to come down to but how does it taste yeah for me that style i i drink and eat by texture a whole lot yeah i do way more than i thought until i really started to look at like why do i always order filet mignon because i like the texture of that more than Mm. other cuts it's interesting and something that really struck me about these ridiculously hazy beers is that i don't like the mouthfeel on them. Yeah. I do not enjoy the sensation of drinking them. I had not had like a legit, you know, New England IPA until uh, one of the listeners, we did a beer trade, sent me some from the East Coast, and I thought, all right, let's 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 see what this is all about. Yeah. And at first I poured it out and I thought, oh, this isn't that bad. And then I had a little left in the can and I shook it up a little Ooh. bit and poured it. And it was like pouring out a really bad homebrew. Yeah. <laughs> like where yeah. you kind of screwed up and, and left <laughs> no all your ones. chunks in there. Yep. I was weirded out. It was yeah. like drinking an orange Julius. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so weird. And the flavor was good. But and then there's there's the argument to be made about, you know, consuming with your eyes first. Yeah. And a lot of them I mean, orange juice is fine, but I see some that sort of have that gray tinge oh, to them yeah. and I'm just oh, like do I Serve it to me in a red a solo cup and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. you know? Let's start with a stainless steel glass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't want to knock the style because I do think there's probably some value in it. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, and then unfiltered being attached to that has really frustrated me in, immensely because mm-hmm. we don't own a filter. I know a couple other high profile breweries in San Diego that also do not own filters. Yeah. And it's because of what happens when you filter beer. You lose You're all not that just aroma. making it clear. You're losing everything that you put into that beer. And I had I explained that one day early on to Brian. Our, he does most of the brewing here. I okay. call him our brewer. I, um, <laughs> he follows, you know, I've taught him how to brew beer the Matt way, and now he does it down there uh, so that I can do fun things like hang out, drink beer on a podcast. Right, exactly. You know? um, but he, and accounting. And accounting. Lots Super of accounting, fun. yes. <laughs> Playing with money. He came to me with one of our beers in hand and said, this isn't as clear as you or I would like it. Right. Why don't we filter? Brian has been in the industry for as long as I have. Okay. As a brewer, he's extremely knowledgeable, has done the brewery hopping thing. Has did a lo- lot of lagering. Did a lot of lagering, which is awesome because I did not. <laughs> Mail Smith. Yeah. Um, why, don't we, why don't we filter, Matt? And I looked at him and said, okay, have you ever walked in mid-shift into the brewery while somebody is using a plate and frame filter? Yes. How did it smell in the brewery? He goes, amazing. Fucking phenomenal. It's like, <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because all that aroma in the beer is now in the air in the brew house. It's not in the beer anymore. Wow. We just let it all go. So you pay all that money for all those hops that you contracted five years ago mm-hmm. and then filter them out. Well, and it's funny because that's, was it Miller's cold oh, yeah, filtered? Cold, like yeah. that's yeah. their commercial. We're cold yep. filtered. Yeah. yeah. You just took all the good stuff. Right. Out. But it pours, <laughs> you drink it when the, when the mountains turn blue, they want, they want it yeah. as cold as possible to 
be as light in flavor as possible. I guess, yeah. More is they more like water. They just want you to drink possible. more of it. Yeah, that, yeah I guess so. <laughs> um, Sex in a canoe. <laughs> um, We're how, not on the radio. I'm just letting it go. <laughs> yeah, you, you can say what you want. How has the internet changed the industry? Stuff like Untapped and Beer Advocate uh, and that sort of. So I'm going to go get duct tape from my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things to watch will be, you know, the backlash from rate beer getting sold mm-hmm. or at least partially sold. It's been a, ba- a lot of backlash already. Agreed. But I think that what used to be really valuable about rate beer was that the top 500 beers, you could go to a grocery store and get most of them mm-hmm. or a corner store or whatever. Sure. And now rare is equivalent to stellar. Mm-hmm. World class or rare equals world class, and that's totally unfair because Duval yeah. on Rate Beer right now has like a two and a half star rating. Which Duval, is that is a phenomenal beer. It's a consistent beer. It's well made. It is a shining example of the style. Mm-hmm. And people who are entering into the beer space, into the craft beer space, and looking at flavorful beer for the first time, are going two and a half stars. Why should right. I drink that? And it's like you should drink that because. It is the shiny example of the style. Why wouldn't you drink that? Yeah. Fine, and now everything on yeah. the top 500 <laughs> list you have to trade for or get in a line for yes. or wait for the barrels to be ready for. And it's just, it's doing a really huge disservice to all the rest of the beer in the world. There are more than IPAs out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more than IPAs and more than uh, super old barrel-aged stuff, too. Yes. Yeah, and I think yeah. that the the aggressiveness of the flavors that are on the top 500 lists right now mm-hmm. are dissuading potential craft beer drinkers who aren't into a salting flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like everything has sriracha on it or bacon right. in it. Like, we, we don't need our tongues to be assaulted every time we put something in our mouths. Like, there's some... The subtlety is important. And it's just totally overlooked right now. And I think that those sites are perpetuating that to a lot of... To, to a big degree. Yeah, I think a lot of the problems you see are things like, you know, a really good lager or Pilsner is kind of hard to find. And people will automatically just give one of those a bad because it, it doesn't kill their tongue with hops you right. have to kick them in the teeth so all right well that's that's a two and a half yeah and they're rating things out on untapped at a festival right oh, yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i just you had, had a two had ounce one, pour yeah. of, right. of table beer after i drank an imperial stout uh, an imperial stout yeah. with sriracha and jalapenos in it yeah <laughs> and, and a brewer friend of mine likes to go to festivals to dump his kegs so right that's that's right. a really <laughs> yeah, unfair. I mean, we, we've kind of backed off from doing festivals that are asking for anything rare or, mm. you know, unusual or hoppy or extra. And the reason for that is that that's just not our line. Yeah. Right. And, and when everyone else shows up, shows up with barrel aged or stout or IPA, table beer gets seriously lost. For that matter, oatmeal stout gets lost. Yeah. So another one of the guiding tenets of Benchmark (laughs) is that we don't want to produce a beer. Yes, we will produce limited releases, but we don't actually want to make a beer and have a line out the door waiting to get it. I hate standing in line. Yes. And why on earth would you stand in line for a beer? In this city. In this city. Yeah, of all places. And it (laughs) makes me insane that people do that. And... I've made that beer before, <laughs> you know, that I've seen the line. I've gotten to work and seen people in their tents. Oh, jeez! And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? You're here before me and I'm the early shift. I've yeah. got a brew to start at 6 a.m. Yeah. Why are you? Why? Get out of my parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have something 
to be productive in life about. I mean, it's I, I don't. All of you need jobs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I hate to be the asshole, here, but you know what? It's beer. It's Let's keep beer. beer fun. Yeah. And if you can get it, that is awesome. But why would you? Spend a hard-earned day off. It's not getting worth that. ten hours. Yeah, no. let's let's go hang out at Fathom and drink a couple beers and enjoy the traverse of the sun across the sky <laughs> while everybody else stands. Right, in you know line. how many beers we could have during that ten hours yes. when we're camping out? Yeah, they may not yeah. be on that top five hundred list, That's but true. they're going to be delicious because yeah. of the experience and the scenery and where we're at, and it's going to be awesome. And I, I will give credit to uh, Firestone, who's done a really good job lately of getting their rare beers, you know, like Sticky Monkey and Parabola and that kind of stuff, getting them out to stores. Yes, and getting them it, into the hands of people. You yes. don't have to be there at this moment. Right. It used to be like, if you're not at Barrel Works, you're not getting it. Right. It was a huge deal. And now it's we've got smaller bottles and lower price points. Right. And that, I think, is very smart yeah. for that sort of thing in the industry. And I mean, there, there, there's room. You know, there's, there's the challenge of production capacity and there there are realistic reasons that lines would exist mm-hmm. but our our line is if we ever build a line we'll make more beer right yeah yeah, <laughs> I, I we don't we'll want to going. perpetuate the line. Yeah. You know what I mean. We came dangerously close when we canned hop chunks for the first time. Yeah. Oh really? Uh, people were it extremely like excited, and it was and gone in no time flat. It's like we're going to make more of yeah. this next time because I don't <laughs> want people to have to stand in line to get my beer. I Did want them to be able happen. to come in and enjoy it. Yeah. I have to say, when we were here uh, January, we we brought home some hop chunks and yes. had it on the show, and Dan, one of the co-hosts. Is his new favorite beer? Nice. nice. We loved it. It's so good. Oh, he's, he's going to be so jealous because right I was just about to go pour us some hop chunks on cask. Oh shit! Just tapped. <laughs> yeah. Poor Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now you've brought us uh, what I would imagine is the cloudiest beer you're going to make. <laughs> <laughs> this is hop chunks on cask. We just tapped this cask an hour and a half ago um, and then moved it into the tasting room and so yeah, nice. it got stirred up a little, bit, a little bit but I can I can still see my finger through it yeah. so we're doing okay here. <laughs> I feel like I've got like, beer goggles on as I try to look through oh, it yeah. but I can still see through it. You do yeah. though, literally. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, suck it Dan. We added um, Poor Dan We we kept it real simple On this one And this just has A whole bunch of extra Simcoe whole hops Added into the cask Ooh this is nice I couldn't hold back On this one It's very different The mouthfeel especially Like it's really creamy On your tongue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the cask You know that's the Natural carbonation The bite of Forced carbonation Makes it pricklier um, Which accentuates The bitterness Of the hop character Mm -hmm. Here you just really get the the flavor and aroma, and not so much the sensation of the yeah. hop. Yeah, you get more like what I would imagine. I've never had it, but what I, what I would imagine is like the hop oil flavor. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like kicking the teeth. It's here's what a hop smells yeah, like, it's like in essence flavor of form. hops. Yeah, <laughs> but to be honest, that's also what I'm aiming for in oh, this beer. It. Anyway, is love it. I don't want to beat you over the head senseless with all the bitterness. I want you to experience the essence of Cascade, really. That's our primary hop. We use a lot of Simcoe in it as well, mm-hmm. and this cask is extra Simcoe. Okay. But when we actually brew this beer, it's mostly Cascade. So you're getting that big, grapefruity, almost candy-like citrus character coming off of it. And yeah, we might need to go downstairs and grab a quick taste of that draft. Maybe we'll convince <laughs> somebody to bring some up. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's uh-huh. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Do a little beer but science But before we later. finish it, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the one thing I like about this is I've had those 
those beers that they put on cask that weren't meant to be put on cask. Oh, yeah. And you can tell, like, this was brewed to be put on cask. You weren't messing around. Or, or nitro for another one. Like, a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to put this on nitro. Like, ah, yeah, yeah. make it for nitro, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... I am a very opinionated brewer. <laughs> Couldn't so, tell. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just don't know what they're doing with casks um, <laughs> it's a cool word it's a very cool word yeah. and but you know what it. you get to charge more for the beer right yeah yeah um but we're actually having a hard time selling them in san Diego because people have had so many bad experiences with casks of late that makes sense um you just had a mint chocolate cherry added cask into somebody's Goza that they put into the cask fully carbonated. And, I mean, this is the kind of thing that we're right. experiencing. There's out a there. very like homebrewer mentality with the casks because it's ten gallons, and yeah. if it goes wrong, who cares? Except for that, you just sold it to a bar, right? So <laughs> and that's maybe your it brand matters. out there. Yeah. Um, Do you want people to come back? <laughs> and I think there's room for that. I just wish people would keep those experimental things in their tasting rooms. Yeah, we experiment with our casks. It's actually the one place we step outside well, of beer. Yeah. It's one of two places where we break the rule of beer flavored beer. Yeah, best slogan in the industry. Beer flavored beer is what we make. That did get trademarked, trademarked. by the way. <laughs> Smart. Um, but with the casks, yeah, we can we can do funny things. We can add different characters to them. But um, the guys down in the brew house must hate me on cask day because they'll come to me with all kinds of ideas and I just look them down. What are you thinking? No, you can't add uh, cilantro and lime to this (laughs) beer. Why would you do that? (laughs) We went to Disneyland with our kid in the middle of the week a year and a half ago and we came back and all the hop chunks casks from that batch were like Lime and coconut, lime and, and coconut one. That's the grapefruit one that and something, and like they were all these wild casks, and they Ballast were point breaking. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and Matt and I are both like, oh my god, we're not going to be able to sell a single one of these damn things. Yeah, we, we had did. To, we had to find the right account for each of them. <laughs> okay, here's how this is going to work this time around. You called the bar, over okay? Yeah, you called the bar. Like, so I hear you have eight of Ballast Points, John. Yeah, Rancher. we can just slide this one. Yeah. In. They went over well, um, but yeah, it was very breaking the rules around here. But our here. eyeballs are like <laughs> bugging out of our I can't imagine what skulls. we looked like when we saw those things. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me you're not happy? Sorry, we boss. left yeah. for one day? <laughs> yeah, that was, I think I said that. We left for one day, guys. One day. I know. So now when we leave for a day or for right. two. Don't make any casks. It's, now it's <laughs> it's always been don't burn the place down. Right. Uh, but now it's don't burn the place down and don't you dare add crazy shit to the casks. <laughs> we like to tease them. I bet. Well deserved now. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's brag a little bit if we can. I we, hear, already, we let off with oatmeal stout. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hear rumblings across the internet that you did a collaboration with Stone. Is that true? Uh, that is true. We did a collaboration with them at Liberty Station. Mm-hmm. So, small batch, and I don't know if it's even going to leave Liberty Station, to be completely honest. Um, well, I, they might send a keg up yeah. to the Escondido oh, yeah. uh, location, but I don't know if it's going to go much beyond there. But, damn, that was a lot of fun. I bet. <laughs> at the Liberty Station location, they, during the summer, do movies in the gardens. Okay. 
and this year they decided they were going to do a few collaborations that were themed on the movies. We were lucky enough to be invited, A, to collaborate with them, and B, we were given a couple options. Date-wise. Date-wise, and what the movies were and all, and... Looked at the list and said, "I love Boondock Saints. Let's let's do a Boondock Saints movie." And it had been a long time since I watched it, so we went back and watched it. And it's been so long. It had been a long time, and I can still recite many, many, many parts of the movie. Rachel said the other night while we were watching it, "You get a preview of what's coming if you sit next to Matt." (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, here comes this part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry, I'm that guy (laughs) with that movie. Um. Watched it again, though, and went, man, this is bloody, and everyone's smoking the whole time. Nice. And that became the inspiration for the beer. So we and made, the Irish. And the Irish. <laughs> There's that. Um, so we made a, a smoky red ale. Nice. And then we called it Namiology. Nice. That's so cool. <laughs> so did you get to brew it over there? Did you do it here? Brewed it over there yeah. on, on their very cool little system I'm over sure. there. It's, um, it's a very manual system for what you would expect from Stone. Mm-hmm. But it's extremely thoughtfully built. Okay. Um, the parts that are manual are manual for a reason. It connects you to the act of making the beer, and it keeps the soul in the brewing process. Not so much um, like to make you hard labor. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, it, it adds up to working, right. but um, but stirring the mash is... It's more like a homebrew process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so important to the entire beer. This very... It's not the exactly first step, but it's... You know, normally right. on a brew day, that's the first thing you're going to do because you've pre-milled, preheated your water, you've made the recipe and all, and you're going to get that mash going, and you're going to start your morning off stirring that thing and getting getting the steam and experiencing the very beginnings of it. Participating in the beer. Participating in yeah. the beer. And that was really nice. That's cool. Plus, Chris is cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. That's very cool. Um, all right. We got some listener questions. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Renee from our friends over the 21st Mimic Girls, she says, she's got a few too. Uh, as a native, as native San Diegans, Matt and Rachel can attest to the influence that exploding craft beer industry has had on the city. She'd love to hear your thoughts on how San Diego has transformed into the craft beer capital of America and what has changed, what needs to change? Hmm. Good question. Um, so from the city, I can look at the government of the city mm-hmm. and show you a very clear answer to the city wants to be the capital. Yeah. There's a guy at the city development office whose job now is to liaise with breweries <laughs> and make it easier for everyone, for both parties, okay. for the brewery and for the city. That's cool. And to say, you know, no, I think that we can, we can, according to code, we can work our way around this kind of thing and get you guys open a little bit faster, save you a little bit of cash. Or, no, you know what? The city's going to come down hard on this. So address it now. So address (laughs) it now in your planning stages and get it done properly. He's a phenomenal dude. He always says the biggest mistake he ever made was giving a brewer his phone number because that brewer (laughs) immediately shared it with all of their friends. But it has created his this this job that at first was unofficial under mayor sanders he mayor sanders loves good beer Mm -hmm. um and just said you know make this happen make this happen and now it's just what he does now from what i understand i mean like we can call him with a question we're getting ready to build another tasting room and so we've had several um and he can walk right into the planning department and say i've got a brewery that's thinking about doing this do you see any challenges Yeah. yeah so before our plans even hit check 
we know a lot of the answers. That's really cool. Yeah, my day job is is doing a lot of stuff with governments, and so I've made some friends. Uh, and I yes, <laughs> and, and so in some of the cities that I've made friends, of course, first questions, you know, who's open a brewery? Yep, and then they always tell me about the process. So I always love to ask about how big of a pain in the ass is to open up a brewery. Oh, and it's man. always going to depend on the jurisdiction. Yep. Yeah. Well, and talking about changing, you know, laws around here in La Mesa, like I guess there was no breweries allowed. Yes. And now they have Bolt and Helix. And- mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Lemon Grove is actually in the act of changing some of their zoning rules to they allow brewery. They don't have brewing. any right now. Because they, they don't have yeah. any breweries. And they, wait, yeah. we're missing out on the, yeah. the cash flow. Well, yeah, I mean, we generate tax dollars. Right. You know? And to people in the area, it's San Diego. They don't yeah. know the difference. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. It's all San Diego County. And it, it becomes a matter. draw to the neighborhood, right? Like if, if you want to go buy a house mm-hmm. and it has cool places to go hang out, yes. it's way easier to decide to move there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I think that jurisdictions are starting to see that and the value in that. Yep. From the point of view of the other half of her question, which was... Uh, What what has changed? What needs to change? So Hmm. this is something that the Brewers Guild is working and spending many hours on right now. (laughs) Um, I think the biggest challenge that we have in San Diego right now is that we're growing at a a huge clip, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a volunteer organization that's sort of holding it all together. When you're multiplying as quickly as we are, it's, it's hard to address new issues. So... Um, the guild right now is working on added value mm-hmm. on marketing who the San Diego Brewers are and why that's a really big deal. Um, and working with the tourism authority to make sure that the rest of the country knows that San Diego is the capital of craft. Yeah. Um, there are other way smaller brewing um, communities that are doing a much better job of communicating that message. Yeah. Um, I mean, Asheville's pretty up and coming. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a there's a couple Florida cities that are working hard on it. So, I mean, and, and not that they don't have great beer or a good community. I don't know. Last time but, I was in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we arguably have, you know, probably a, most of the world-class Absolutely. Brewers here in international competitions. So I I think that at least we have a seat at the table, if if nothing else. Pretty Um, pretty head seat at the table. (laughs) So um, the guild is trying to um, figure out who we are and serve the the membership as best as we can. And you know, there's a new campaign for stickers in the window that say, "Yeah, I'm a Brewers Guild member." Mm. There's a new campaign we're starting that is going to start educating our own people. Because we have so many people that are coming out of homebrewing or out of, I think beer is cool. Right. And, you know, they, they need to know the ABC law. They need to know how to sanitize and yeah. why line cleaning is a really big deal. I yes. mean, there's a lot of sort of 101 level stuff that is getting missed sometimes. My biggest you know. concern uh, as a brewer in a city that's expanding this rapidly is the quality of the beer. People are out there selling San Diego beer. Mm-hmm as people who don't make good San Diego beer. Right. I have been in San Diego beer for a long time. I have helped to build this reputation of San Diego beer. I take it very personally. Yeah. And if you're not making good beer, you're not doing San Diego beer any favors. And we have to watch out for that. We have to be vigilant about that. And you know what? As antagonistic as that may sound <laughs> of me to say that, it's also why this community is so collaborative. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're messing up and you come to me, I'm going to tell you where you're messing up and I'm going to guide you on fixing it. Right. Because you're doing me a disservice. If you're out in a market other than San Diego, if calling yourself San Diego, you're yeah. in Tulsa selling San Diego beer and every, and your beer isn't good. <laughs> you know what you're doing? 
you're killing the brand of yeah. San Diego that's a, that's beer. A really bad ambassador for San Diego. Absolutely. But if you're making phenomenal beer and you're exporting it to other states, that is how we get people who want to travel here to drink beer. Or to open breweries. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That is, I have to say, the most shocking thing that's happened in this city in my, you know, closeness to beer. I mean, I've only technically worked in beer for four years, mm-hmm. but I've been really close to it because I've been with Matt as long as he was with, at Alesmith and home brewing in the whole nine yards. So I've watched it from an insider's point of view. And the idea that people move here to open breweries just mind boggles me. It's weird. Why oh, would you move so somewhere where there's more competition than anywhere else? Yeah. The only reason we opened a brewery here is because we're both natives. Yeah. Right. Uh, if we, if we had a connection to anywhere else in the world, we, we would be making there beer there right now. You think you'd want to go open up a brewery where you Spread grew up or where you live at least yeah. and yeah, 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 make your area nicer. Yeah. And so, uh, Renee's done her homework. She also says, <laughs> as the 71st professional brew oh, house yes. in San Diego, <laughs> you guys must be on LinkedIn, uh, in, <laughs> is the number of brewers a barrier to entry or a leg up in the craft beer industry? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> so when we started working on this project, there were 35 breweries in the county. Wow. Um, we thought we'd be 45 at most. It took an extra year to open, and 35 other people showed up that Holy we didn't We'd know. never heard of. We knew the five other professional brewers opening breweries right. in the county at the same time as and we were. And the home brewer, too. And the home brewer, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Everyone just started coming out of the woodwork, and we ended up being number 71. It's And we were floored. It's yeah. shocking So the reason she knows that day. is we have a beer called San Diego 71. Mm-hmm. It's our anniversary beer. We It was the fifth beer on tap when we opened. We had four core beers and that one special release, um, and we make it every year for our birthday. And every year we remind people, we were the 71st. Now there's 140 and now there's something. Many. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Is it a leg up or something? <laughs> I think it depends pass. a lot on who you are. If you yeah. are making world-class beer, it is the right place to be. Yeah. If you are making okay beer, find another city. Yeah. It I mean, that sounds up. really harsh, but like, or find a neighborhood that needs also. you or, you know, yeah. like you just, you have to, you, you have to approach it from the right angle. There are many neighborhoods and cities that don't have breweries at all, yeah. let alone good ones. So if, oh, you, yeah. if you aren't making San Diego In Southern beer, California. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where I live. I, mean, I live in the valley. There's you know, like two valley breweries. Right. Yeah. And so we could use a couple more. So I think there's a lot of space. It's just a matter of finding the right nook. Yeah. LA has been exceptionally difficult with breweries, though. Their LA's standards a, are ridiculous. From a city planning point yeah, of view. They're difficult with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> true. Welcome true. to LA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then her final question is Your brewery seems to buck trends and focus on the beer flavored beer. <laughs> but as consumers, what are your favorite and least favorite trends right now? Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we talked about one of them. <laughs> New England IPAs can uh, take a hike. Um, and then I really honestly don't like all these juicy, fruited, mm. whatever you have on hand added into your beer. Mm-hmm. It really, that beer flavored beer label is 100% honest. Yeah. That is what we're looking for in what we drink. That is looking for in what we make. I like it. It's just who we are. It's just from the heart. Yeah. I really like that lagers are becoming more fashionable. Um, I think that they've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, there's quality levels that need to be addressed. But I think that there are some really phenomenal ones out there that are easy drinking and easy to find. And 
I could drink those all day, yeah. very happily. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a cool trend, like the loggers and the, the Kolsch's and that kind of stuff yeah. are, oh, are yeah. starting to come up. I mean, Mike Hess does a really good Kolsch. Kolsch, yeah. It's really good. I mean, just, it's, it's cool now to not make a super high percentage high IBU beer that tastes good. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah, she's asking or saying we buck the trend. That's, that's it. We don't do this high IBU thing. Right. It's, I want everything to pair well with food. Yeah. I want it also to pair Even well with your next IPA. beer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to kill your taste buds. <laughs> I want you to enjoy the, the entire the experience. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't want to move in on your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying real estate here. Yeah. We're setting up um, shop. But yeah, I mean, it's that and it's, we want to be a place that you can bring your dog and your stroller and enjoy a beer responsibly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I genuinely believe that having two beers on a Tuesday night should be okay. Yeah. And, and that comes down to or the, Wednesday or Thursday. Sure, yeah. or, <laughs> but that comes down to the ABV level of the beer. And there's nothing worse than like having to drink four ounces when you want a pint. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, the 120 minute IPA is delicious, but yeah. to have that all the time would yeah. be a killer. Exactly. We were talking about judging earlier. We've got all those tiny, tiny, tiny little samples the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know what we do when we're done? We go get a full serving of something, <laughs> be it a beer or uh, more often than not at GABF, it's a whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> what is that palate? Yeah. Uh, when when we're judging here for... The bar the, in the hotel afterwards is an interesting place. <laughs> yes, it is. The National Homebrew Competition first round when we're judging that in San Diego or the America's Finest City Homebrew Competition. I leave there, I go home, and pour I get the biggest beer. damn glass I can, <laughs> and I pour myself a beer. You, you get your big gulp out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Sit down and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Enough of being judgy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Mike wants to know, do you have any regrets in open a brewery? Would you have done anything differently? I would have found would have even more, more money. money. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had more money and a more direct plan. Okay. Um, oh, but we had such a developed business plan. It's, I understand what Rachel's saying, but at the same time, we had a business plan that was good enough to get us an SBA loan in 2012 when the, when the banks weren't giving well. anything yeah. to anyone. Um, we still needed more. We are family funded as well. Um, okay. Matt's parents are our biggest backers. I just think that for a long time we had four managing partners essentially mm-hmm. and now we have two matt's parents have stepped back and it has made having a direct direction much simpler i'm sure for four people in charge is not simple um, becomes a democracy and working with family is hard mm-hmm. you know and matt and i matt and i found the way to work together um we have a really clear line in the sand where i trump him on packaging and branding and how we communicate about the beer and he will always trump me on the beer and i would never ever try to right you know i might try to convince him about something but i will always fold to his you know direction Uh, you asked earlier who was the better judge i still think rachel was so i listened to her (laughs) yeah but I'm going to make that final decision on the beer. Yeah. And it's the same with the branding. She can ask me what the new can looks like. And I'm going to say that can is awesome. And she says, but what about the color on this thing? No, it looks awesome. But fix it. Adrian wants to know, what's your favorite brewery other than your own? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go from it from this point of view. When I go out to a restaurant and see a tap list. I look at the brewery before I look at the beer Mm -hmm. and I order Alpine. I order society uh, and I order benchmark. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some other beers. I I, order. I add Alesmith to the list. Alesmith for sure. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of Belgian breweries. I'll drink Um, Duval being one of them. 
Yeah. Is Anytime delicious. Anytime Orval is on the Fuller's list, I order that. Orval, yeah. We, it we depends stay on the mood. classic. Yeah. <laughs> no fruity beers? Come on. Mm. No. No. Unless, no we're, unless we're talking Cantillon, not likely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, you guys, thank you so much. Our pleasure. Please tell the people where they can come stalk you. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in the neighborhood of Grantville which is just east of Mission Valley in San Diego, 6190 Fairmount Avenue, Suite G. Mm-hmm. We are in a warehouse park. It looks nothing like a brewery from the outside, <laughs> be warned. It looks like every brewery in San Diego well, did 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's nice on the inside. It's a good place to drink beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of fun people behind the bar. And, Our staff is amazing. And by the end of summer, we'll also be in the Bay Park neighborhood, nice. just east of Mission Bay and the five at on, on 4112 Napier Boulevard, Napier right at, at Marina. Marina. I already got that memorized. <laughs> oh, going through the leasing process, <laughs> and believe ABC, me. Like, and then yeah. ABC, yeah. You write that stuff down a whole lot. So. It becomes like your Vons Club. No, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. New tasting room opening in august very cool i yeah. guess that leads to the question then uh distribution outside of san diego we're working on yes. it soon. soon okay orange county is coming soon Good. that's the best we can say yeah. at the moment fair enough <laughs> I, c- I can tell you that la wants you la as the we, unofficial representative we la is just, definitely on our list yeah and we did just start distributing to mexico so yes. we're we're wow. hitting tijuana see si. it's closer than la yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and order traffic makes it take just the same amount of time to get there. <laughs> <Probably so. quicker. laughs> Depends on the day. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then also uh, benchmarkbrewing.com, uh, Benchmark Brewing on Facebook and Instagram, and at Benchmark Brew on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think that, did I miss anything? Yeah, that's it. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Thank you once again to Matt and Rachel down there at Benchmark Brewing. I had so much fun hanging out with them, talking beer, drinking beer. What's better than talking and drinking beer at the same time? That's right, nothing. And I must say that we got to do a little beer science after the interview was over. You know, we had hop chunks on cask while talking, and then of course afterwards we went down and had a little regular hop chunks on tap, and uh, got to compare them back and forth and kind of pick out the the differences and the similarities. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and I'm absolutely drinking some hop chunks right now as I record this outro. I was editing the interview and they were talking about hop chunks and I, I just I couldn't not open up a can. I brought a few cans back from them. So drinking hop chunks right now. Matt is super nerdy in a good way when it comes to beer, making beer, drinking beer. They're both great judges. Listening to them talk about uh, flavor profiles and all that sort of thing. It's a whole lot of fun to hang out with these two. So I'm really glad I got to. I hope you guys go visit them the next time you're in San Diego. Uh, not too far from the old uh, Qualcomm Stadium where the Chargers used to play. They have great beer. Look, beer-flavored beer. What's better than that? That's why I thought. So anyways, make sure you check them out. 6190 Fairmount Avenue, Sweet G in San Diego. You can find them online at BenchmarkBrewing.com. Facebook and Instagram is BenchmarkBrewing. And on Twitter, it's at BenchmarkBrew. They're a whole lot of fun, and they will just sit there and talk beer with you guys. What's better than that? So go check them out. Go drink their stuff. And uh, look for them coming up a little north soon, hopefully. Anyways, you know how to find us, theunfilteredgentleman.com. Theunfilteredgentleman.com slash listen is where you tell your friends to go if they can't figure out how to find us, uh, you know, on their podcast app and whatnot. You can also get us on the social medias, The Unfiltered Gentleman, except for Twitter, is at unfilteredgents. And uh, you want a drunk dialist, maybe leave us a, a nice little voicemail, 805-538-BEER. It's 2337. It's a number to call. Leave us a drunk message and uh, we'll laugh at you hysterically. Anyways, that's it for us. Thanks once again to Matt and Rachel. Go to Benchmark, 
While you're there, make sure you stay hydrated. On that note, good night, everybody. Good night.